0: Hey everyone, this is Prashant, and I'll be your host for the VC 10X podcast. And today we have Shubhankar Bhattacharya with us. Shubhankar is a general partner at Fundamental, where they are investing in startups operating in the construction tech space. In this episode, we talk about what is construction tech, how is it different from prop tech, why productivity is low in construction, what they have learned from investing in companies like InfraMarket and Tool, construction being a major contributor of greenhouse gases. Our 3D printed houses here to stay, Shibankar's biggest learning as a VC, and lots more. So, without wasting any time, let's dive straight in. Hey, Shub, so good to have you on the VC 10X podcast. How are you doing?
1: Very well, Prashant. Uh, The pleasure is all mine. Uh, Looking forward to an engaging conversation.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and looking forward to talk about all things construction tech, uh, but before we get into that, uh, can we first have your story and how you started investing?
1: Sure thing, um, I think if I go back uh, 11 years, circa 2012, um, that was when I first decided to actually become an entrepreneur, um, so started a commerce website for diamonds and precious jewelry, gave it a go for a year and a half. Uh, had a real tough time, I must admit, uh, at it, right? Uh, couldn't raise any uh, outside capital, as ironic as that seems today, Uh Eventually had to, you know, eventually just ended up running it straight into the ground. Uh, and then, uh, you know, fast forward to mid-2014, um, kind of what was just figuring out what next to do in life. Uh, frank, you know, in, in plain speak, just sitting at home, like figuring out what next to do. At that time, my thought was to, uh, approach a few startups, look for the next uh, role and join a st- startup, hopefully a fast-growing one. Uh, one of the conversations that I ended up having was with a firm called uh, K Capital. Uh, I even remember the very first time I spoke with them, I-, I even told them, I have no idea why I'm talking to you. Uh, I-, I don't consider myself an investor, have no background, no proficiency. Uh, incredibly, what they told me is that they're looking for a failed entrepreneur. And, and that's actually how we got started. Um And I think, uh, you know, eventually ended up uh, joining them, uh, stayed for almost four years. Uh, It was a lovely time. Uh, The highlight of my time was uh, getting to lead the very first round in a company called Zetwork, which uh, since then, of course, several people in the ecosystem recognize uh, instantaneously almost, it seems. Uh, Yeah. And along the way, I kept thinking what next to do, uh, you know, how to further uh, my investing career. uh, one idea I always had was to uh, be part of a global setup, and that got me thinking on you know, various possibilities on what to do next. Uh, that's when I ended up connecting with uh, two guys who ended up being my co-founders and partners at Mentor, and together we uh, started on this journey called Mentor. So our first fund, we kicked it off around the end of 2018, uh, the second fund uh it's, it's the one we've been actively deploying out of that's been live since uh january last year and, and super
0: excited and very glad to be on this journey yeah that's very interesting and I, I think uh failed founders is uh are, are definitely a breed of founders that are definitely sought after especially in the VC space uh and c- can you can you like give us an insight into what what's something different that you bring to the table because there certainly is something that different that you're bringing to the table uh, like there's a saying that goes that if you're winning if you're succeeding all the time your pitfalls or the things that go wrong they like they're not recognized as much or you don't realize that but if you fail like everything comes to the forefront is it that aspect uh, or is it something else
1: I, I think that that is definitely uh the case uh, for sure prashant i fully agree i think what uh hits home very hard and in a very real way is because uh as a failed entrepreneur you've given a lot given everything perhaps to your venture and to see it dying is a painful a very traumatic experience i think at some level it helps you remember stay grounded that all of life all of business uh th- there's so much uncertainty and therefore to never get ahead of yourself in in, in so many walks of life i, I think whether we like it or not, or whether we admit it or not, I should say, especially in the early stages, VCs have a disproportionately favorable bargaining power. It isn't always the case, especially in a, in a hype market cycle, but more often than not, we have a disproportionate advantage, and it's a reminder then that, the, that the tides can turn and, and not to take anything for granted. Uh, at the end of the, the, Even at the other table, there's a human being uh, probably taking care of several other human beings responsible for even more human beings career, Uh, important to remember that, you know, you're just dealing with people at the end of the day, and not to overcomplicate any temporary sense of power that you may have.
0: Absolutely. And I think this also brings in an important uh, aspect of empathy that is so, so important, uh, especially in the venture capital space, because you're dealing with startups day in and day out. And a lot of them are always going through ups and downs. And being an investor who has been through that journey and maybe seen the worst of it, you know what the founder is feeling like, and then you can be more empathetic in your approach, right? So that's definitely great. Uh, and uh, and while you were starting uh, fundamental, right? So at that point, uh, was the focus still on construction tech or has that thesis evolved over time? And if it was construction tech back then, then what was the insight that you had that made you focus on this area?
1: Uh, so the short answer is yes, it was indeed construction tech uh, from day one, or even in fact, before day one, because it was very much part of the process uh, leading up to us uh, securing funding from our investors and, and getting off the ground. I think if you speak with uh, each of the three of us, uh, that is my partners, Adam, Patrick, and myself, you may get slightly different answer answers. I think one uh, aspect where all three of us will probably have the same thing to say is, you know, And I urge you to rewind back to 2017, 2018. There's hardly anything going on in, in terms of construction tech funding, right? And at that point, we sort of uh, took a moment's pause and looked at it and thought, hey, construction in almost every major economy accounts for something in the ballpark of 10% of the GDP. And it's, it's not even a rounding error in the amount of VC funding going in. Uh, that can't be the case. Uh, forever and ever right so the big bet we took at the time was within five or six years we'll see a mega correction and, and a secular rise and a, uh a, you know almost like everything coming to parity uh, right uh the the big bet there was right the big risk there was it could have also taken 20 years for that to happen so i, th- I think there we got quite lucky uh you know we are very fortunate that things uh, have turned and companies have emerged of of the kind that we've been some of whom we have been very grateful to be partnered with uh, who have kind of led the charge uh, and yeah and, and I guess uh, and you know as uh, a cliche goes we're still only getting started in spite of all of this
0: yeah absolutely and uh, I, I think the reason why maybe there are not so many VC funds that are focused on construction tech is I think Mostly they are focused on software uh, and things of that nature. Uh, And I know you had a conversation of that like asset light versus asset heavy. That's right. When your podcast uh, disagreed, right? So uh, is is it because of that that we see that there are very few uh, VC funds that are focused on industries like construction tech, uh, despite the big amount of market share they have and the big uh, TAM that they have, right? So what, what's your perspective on that?
1: I think, um, you know, when we uh, zoom out and look at it, the, the VC model is very much uh, driven on the premise that if you present a beautiful piece of technology, a beautiful piece of uh, a, a lovely business model that makes sense, uh, it is possible to grow very, very fast or hack your way to rapidly gaining market share. Uh, And for the most part, especially in uh, B2C use cases, you know, many other more organized B2B use cases, a similar playbook does apply. I think what we have realized uh, empirically over the last five years is in construction and and for a whole host of reasons, right? And and it's quite difficult to just narrow down to one reason. There are various other things uh, at play. Uh, So just, and as, as weird as that might sound, a firm or or a person will not switch over to a new piece of technology just because it happens to be, let's say, cool or nice uh, or, or something that seems somewhat superior, right? To give you an example, uh, and, and, and perhaps an example that many of uh, our viewers can can relate to. So imagine you know you've saved up to buy your dream home or to get your dream home constructed, right? Would you be willing to put down all of your savings behind say an unproven startup because they claim to be cool, somewhat better, right? Somewhat superior to the traditional solution. You might, and if that is the case, power to you, right? But more li- likely than not, you'll either choose to go the safe route or you'll do a ton of diligence, right? A ton of diligence uh, to make sure you get that right. And and similar things apply in, let's say, infrastructure, right? U- ultimately, it's public money at play, uh, and obviously, the moment something goes wrong, everyone is ready to give their commentary on, on why you know, this should have happened or that should not have happened and so on. And, and therefore, that leads to a very different kind of decision making, a different kind of pressure. So what we've realized is the opportunity exists and actually there's enormous willingness to adopt, but it has to be done in a way which does not require any change in behavior or any difference, uh, change in the standard operating procedure. And that, uh, for me personally, was something that needed quite a bit of unlearning uh, and relearning for this industry. So many a times, I would actually encourage founders to not overcomplicate things, not try to um, think that a new way
0: of doing business is a superior way of doing business, even if it might make sense on paper. Right. Yeah, that's that's a very interesting take. Uh, And Like most VCs talk about disruption and doing and questioning the status quo, and uh and I I love this take uh, that okay, uh, there are some established things that are already proven to be working, and you can just follow them and like build your business on the same lines as well, right? Uh, And like talking about construction tech, uh, how big of an opportunity this is if we look at it as a sector, and how's it different from? A similar kind of sector that's prop tech.
1: Okay, Uh, I think uh, generally speaking, it's hard to get super precise numbers, but generally speaking, if you take just construction tech in most economies, it would account for anywhere from eight to ten percent of the GDP. So, on the current uh, world economic uh, world economy size, that would come to anywhere between seven and nine trillion dollars. Now, if you throw in a few adjacent aspects around infrastructure and everything that takes to it takes to put that as well, it'll probably take the number to as much as $12 trillion, uh, right? Obviously, that includes the whole world. So uh, I'm not pretending that every opportunity that chases construction tech chases a $12 trillion TAM. Although, believe me, we have got pitch decks of that sort, right? So uh, it's, it wouldn't be a first for me if someone puts that in their pitch deck. Uh In our minds, I mean, look, I think a lot of people think prop tech and construction tech are interchangeable and synonymous. We think they're very different. They have a slight intersection, but quite different. Uh, So let me take a stab at explaining. So prop tech is more or less the technology or business model or innovation associated with managing or to deal with assets that are in place, right? Typically buildings that already exist you manage them or you sort of are in the process of handing them over, finishing them, operations of those buildings and so on. Construction tech is everything that is needed to actually put the buildings or the assets in place, right? So this, the, the visible part, of course, is live construction projects. But there's so much stuff that happens beyond or outside of that site. Uh, materials are constantly moving in and out of the site. There's design happening perhaps for months and years before anything starts. Um, uh, a whole lot of renovation uh, happening as well to make the ha- uh, home habitable. Uh, and sometimes materials to be brought from very different parts of the country or, or even the world. Uh, and various pieces of technology to connect all of these things together. Uh, and in our opinion, the more uh, you realize how, how far upstream and how spread out the scope of construction tech is it's an incredibly large opportunity
0: yeah absolutely and uh, i saw it on your website that uh, in comparison to other industries let's say agriculture or uh, retail or any other sector we take uh, the productivity in construction has been going down uh, while it's going up in other sectors so what do you think has been the reason behind this stagnation in productivity and innovation Uh, is it because of the lack of funding in the area or why is it so stagnant and are we seeing it change uh, right now are there companies coming up trying to take that productivity upwards Uh, if so what do those companies look like
1: i I think the short answer for the uh, the latter is at least from because you're asking us we're obviously biased and drinking the kool-aid so we have to say uh, yes and maybe we'll get into the complexion of some of these companies I think there's various aspects going into why the productivity is uh, decreasing uh, I think the methods employed in construction haven't changed in perhaps even 50 60 years by and large right it still remains very much labor driven paper-based or extremely manual based and and in those kinds of methods the the more wages increase, You're kind of producing or getting the same output, even in in, uh, nominal terms, not just in real terms, but even in nominal terms, while wages are increasing. Meanwhile, even the cost of goods keeps increasing, let's say, assuming that they keep uh, in line with inflation, and and this makes the traditional way, the paper-based way, the extremely manual way, untenable beyond a certain point. And it, it could be argued it has been untenable maybe for at least a decade or two, Right. Now, I think it is easy to turn around and say, hey, you know, maybe VCs or other tech investors, growth investors should have put more money in construction. But it could also be argued, you know, ultimately, uh, you know, we are not in it to, to incubate an entire industry, certainly not the indus- an industry the size of the, the construction market. Uh, I, I think it needed a bit of give and take where this certain companies show the promise that, even though it seems like a fossilized traditional industry, that it has the ability to, to move and scale and adopt technology rapidly the way we have seen in other spaces. And I think the time has come, or, or it seems like it has come now for two, three years, if not more. And I think we, we're still not anywhere close to where the industry should be. And I, and I think that's the exciting promise uh, for us. In terms of your question on you know what some of these companies look like, I think you know, what we see from our portfolio as well as elsewhere, it certainly seems to suggest that there's lots of innovation happening in the fields of procurement, where I think the uh, innovation or the rate of adoption of a new companies is is the most visible, the most rapid. Um, but extrapolating further, general supply chain solutions, the way in which design happens, imagining a new collaborative version of design, um, uh New alternatives to replacing fossil fuels in heating requirements for homes or for renovation. Uh, finding, and I and I use this tactfully. Finding uses for robotics or autonomy in ways that are aligned with the market, right? To to drive adoption. Uh, uh, the the distinction I want to call out is I'm not saying robotics and autonomy just in general. Uh, yeah, so. I, I, what, yeah, but I, I think there's lots of opportunity and I think even more innovation, newer models will emerge. Very, I'm very confident about that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And one uh, trend that we are seeing is 3D printing uh, houses, right? Uh, so can can you throw more light onto that model? Are we going to... Is that a long-term trend? In future, are we going to see uh, most houses being 3D printed and shaped maybe in a day or in a week's time? That's it. Uh but what's, what's your perspective on it?
1: I think the jury is still uh, very much uh, out on that one, uh, yet to see. I think, I think we have a very high-quality 3D printing company in our own portfolio called Mighty Buildings over in the US. But we also have other firms that are choosing to take a more modular approach to construction, which uh, it could be interpreted that's another version of what construction looks like in the future. And even I think in uh, a modular version of construction, you can have there's several variations to that for instance you can you know have robots uh putting it together which also for example uh, one of our recent investments uh, uh it, it does exactly that you can have uh panelized systems which are like flat packed and shipped even in a cross-border context and just assembled can be assembled even by the final consumer to put a home together and th- those are also solutions we are seeing right uh We've also seen solutions where you almost have like an infosys for construction approach, as in you can kind of outsource uh, home building projects over to India, manage some of it to cross-border shipping, manage some of the quality and project management aspects from India. So I think there's various interpretations of what the future of home building looks like. What I visualize, given the sheer size of, of the market and the various the the different uh, adoption curves we see in different economies different willingness to pay i think where we'll settle at is for probably certain ex- sections of the market will have will evolve or or find equilibrium at at a slightly more tech version of current home building methods for example of the lines along which our portfolio company brick and bolt uh, is doing in india some will perhaps find a more organized digital developer or a digital contractor model, as in putting an entire ecosystem to assemble uh, products and services together, which is an approach, for example, taken up by a firm O11H in Spain and Juno in the US. And some will perhaps uh, be much more tech-oriented, either uh, adopting modular construction through robots or assembling panels or 3D printing the way Mighty Building does. It's a fascinating... I wish I could... Uh, tell you with more uh, clarity but I, I think that's I, I'm just as excited to find out how this plays out
0: exactly yeah it's very fa- fascinating and I I just wonder like are these houses that are 3D built or built at one place and then shipped to another are they just as sturdy as the buildings that are built at one place digging in a foundation uh, or uh, like I'm, I'm just like thinking about that are they as strong can they stand the test of time or are they maybe heat temporary structures?
1: It's a, that's a complex question to uh, unpack and answer because, so even if you, what you could do, for instance, is you could prepare a, a raw or raw earth structure uh, off-site and then when you're actually putting it down on a foundation on-site, you can then augment it further. Uh, but, uh, mind you, the, the downside to that approach is it could somewhat dilute the promise of 3D printing or offsite construction because you're kind of merging the two worlds. You need to take care of a few other things from a a structural integrity standpoint. Um, And again, I I must admit, uh, this is again an area which is literally evolving in real time uh, in terms of the suitability of these structures. Even it's still under evaluation, you know, depending on where you choose to build, on-site, off-site, which material... How many levels you can even build up to, right? So, I think even that it's something which is kind of still yet to be finalized and still kind of getting you know emerging as we speak where, where the equilibrium lies there.
0: Yeah, yeah, so certainly something to watch out for. And uh, construction uh, is also a sector that's uh like responsible for close to 40 percent of greenhouse gases, that's huge, right? So, uh, what 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 is the industry doing to like try to minimize that 40%? And because this is a legacy industry. Things are done a certain way and it's hard to change that, right? So what kind of solutions can we expect to see there that help us bring down the greenhouse gases that come out of the industry?
1: Nice. I think um, our view, uh, I mean, by the way, this on, uh, no, our view on, on this is not very different from what we would probably say for any topic, which is i think in each geography or market we'll probably need to tailor the kind set of solutions we're looking for in response to the market needs uh, so what i mean by that is i think in each major market greenhouse gas emissions etc is an important theme but how we deal it, deal with it uh, i think there are certain approaches which are aligned with the market behavior needs certain approaches which are against it for example in india what we feel the most direct way to address it to begin with, is actually through supply chain solutions. Because keep in mind, if you actually just consume or waste 20% less resources, that by definition also means you'll have 20% less emissions. It doesn't all- always have to be that uh, you incorporate uh, something groundbreaking in your approach. You can simply just consume or waste less, right? And, and we think in emerging markets, that is is probably the first wave of adoption, which we definitely see in quite a few of our portfolio companies. In economies like the Europe, where there is tremendous commentary around uh, greenhouse gas emissions, obviously driven by uh, many other topics, such as the dependency on fossil fuel imported from Russia and the geopolitical implications of that. So what we try to do is also tackle problems from a timing perspective where we also think the impact both in terms of adoption and financial value will be the greatest uh, therefore we think for example you know starting about a year ago and even right now going after uh, solutions that target the home heating requirements where the fossil fuel dependency was and unfortunately still is very high and replacing them with sustainable solutions is it tri- will make a tremendous dent uh, in the near to medium term on the fossil fuel dependency. And we have a couple of firms in Europe. Uh, I think one of them even recently announced a large Series around. round. One called Enter, which previously was called Baupal, and another called Loon. Um, both of them are doing extremely well, growing very, very fast in the last year. Both essentially trying to solve for, uh, I guess, indirectly greenhouse gas emissions, but to be more specific on fossil fuel dependency in homes. Uh, over in uh, the US as well, we have gone after solutions where they're, they're trying to index uh, green materials or, or the, I guess, the associate carbon footprint of materials and enable selection uh, of materials by clients, either developers or contractors. And I think the, the jury is still out on the extent to, to which we see adoption from these technologies. Um, but yeah, I think we, we also believe greatly that There'll be a secular demand, but it'll uh, across geographies, but the form it takes will be quite different. We, of course, directly as well as indirectly, also have seen new and innovative kinds of materials being developed. For example, uh, zero carbon or negative carbon variants of cement, just as an example, which again a couple of our companies are working on as well.
0: Yeah, that's great. It'll be like interesting to look how we come up with solutions in that this as well, and. uh... Like, let, let's talk about this one. So you have been an early investor in companies like InfraMarket and uh, Tool. Uh, so And these are, like, doing pretty well right now, raised hundreds of millions of dollars in fundings, right? So what's what's been your biggest learnings uh, from backing these companies uh, in terms of the kind of things you now look for uh, when you're looking at new investments you're making? So I think...
1: Uh... You know, InfraMarket and Tool, both tremendous companies. Uh, even even if I were to extend th- this discussion to the next 10 companies, uh, which we consider the, the, as to be the very best in our portfolio, and we are very fortunate and privileged that we are th- at this position right now, I think the learnings would not be very dissimilar from what I had shared earlier. I think uh, we definitely uh, look for uh, founders with the founder market fit but also the humility to know that in construction, there's almost no point to trying to fight the market. You have to just empower the stakeholders, uh, align with their existing behaviors, let them feel like they're being served, and, and then let them adopt. And I, 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 at that point, we end up getting surprised, but really we shouldn't, at how fast uh, technologies and businesses get adopted. But it needs that crucial bit of uh, uh, mindset de- uh, change. Uh, but I, I think it's it's a theme which we find uh repeating over and over again
0: right right absolutely uh and and while you're saying that uh you should be working with what's already there and not trying to disrupt so uh i like for for challenges that we're facing like uh climate change i think we'll need some disruptive innovations to fight that or will will it still come through uh the existing stakeholders what do you think
1: that's a very interesting question. Uh, I think I might have to pause a bit for that one. Um, sure. So, so my hunch here, I'm, I'm going out on a limb. I haven't thought of it for more than 30 seconds for the with this the, the, the specific question. I think the uh, point at which the two worlds converge, that is the objective of achieving or solving for climate change and aligning with what the existing uh stakeholders demand or want or behave it's probably going to be driven by either regulatory or financial incentives uh which is when they will the, the existing stakeholders will want to or be forced to uh do something and be desperate to do it because either they they want the financial gains as a result of it or, or really fear some sort of backlash at that point you just pander to them frankly speaking i know it sounds utterly ruthless and cold but I would say, hey, if that's what they want, let them have it.
0: Uh, yeah, th- that, that's yeah. my uh, thinking. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a good take. Yeah, sounds good. Yeah, if there are regulations around it, you have to follow it, right? Regardless of what you want to do, right? Or if you're used to a certain way, right? Uh, all right, so coming on to my last main question for the day, uh, and that's, Uh, What's something that you've now learned as a VC that you wish you had learned uh, at the beginning of your VC career?
1: Hmm. So I think uh, too many uh, bad decisions happen because of uh, groupthink and herd mentality. And it's, uh, even though uh, connecting with people, soliciting opinions, getting intel is great, uh, but there's a balancing act needed. At some point, you can also succumb to groupthink. Uh, and and I think lots of good deals are missed by well-meaning VCs because of groupthink. Or too many bad deals are done by well-meaning VCs because of groupthink.
0: Okay. So uh, at Fundamental, you're making decisions individually. That's what's suggesting, right? We
1: try to. We certainly mm-hmm. try to. Uh, look, groupthink, it's... It's one of those very complex uh, human biases which creep in in the most uh, uh, indetectable of ways. I, I think we try our best uh, to act independently, act off of our own conviction. I would like to believe we do fairly well, but I, I would I, I think it's the job's never done, and I, and I think the objective is to to maintain that degree of autonomy, that degree of uh, our own source of truth, which cannot be. Um, tampered with through external influence.
0: Yeah, certainly. Yeah, that's great. All right. La- now let's move on to our rapid fire round wherein I'll ask you five quick questions about the fund uh, and you have to give five quick answers. Mm-hmm. All right. So the first one is what are the sectors and regions you invest in? Sector is only one, which is
1: construction tech, but regions is all over the world. Great. And what's the typical
0: stage of investment?
1: Uh, can go as early as pre-seed. And as latest Series B for our first check. And we follow on, if, if we continue to like what the firm is doing, for another two to three rounds.
0: Great. And what's the typical check size?
1: Uh, our first check can be up to uh, 3 million euros. And we can uh, follow on with larger tickets in the next uh, two or three rounds.
0: Great. And where, where can founders apply for funding in case there is a direct way?
1: Um, you can reach out to any of us we put our emails out there on our website so feel free to write to us reach out to us on linkedin if you know any of the portfolio founders uh, we have backed by all means do uh, consider asking them for referrals because that i think helps us a lot that you already are being vouched for by our portfolio founders
0: yeah that's great Uh, and last one where can our listeners follow you
1: uh, so we we do put out content on our LinkedIn uh, page. Uh, you could also head to our website, which is fundamental.com. And uh, we do uh, put various pieces of content, including our videocast series, although we haven't added a video in quite a while. But nevertheless, we do have a few episodes called Disagreed, that is dis slash agreed, uh, where uh, my partner Patrick and I, we, we shoot the breeze uh, on some things around construction. tech.
0: Yeah yeah i i love the personally love the concept of the podcast where you've agreed to disagreed on the podcast uh, and uh, i think that's a great uh concept to run the show and also love the insights that are shared there so definitely go check that out i'll write put the link to that as well in the show notes along with all the other links uh shubh just mentioned shop. thanks so much for giving me your time and sharing these insights on the podcast. I'm sure it's helpful for our listeners in getting an understanding of construction tech, what does the future look like, uh, the impact on climate, and so on. So thanks for coming on and happy investing. Oh, the pleasure is all mine. It was fabulous
1: speaking with you, Prashant. Thanks, everyone, for joining. Pleasure.